0: You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. And my name is Coach Brett Blankner. And today's show is... A recording of a talk that I gave to the local triathlon club and it's my definitive guide on how to train and I was asked to give a talk and Emily uh, reminded me that we need to make it for all levels so this is really good stuff that can be applied to uh, very advanced athletes all the way down to people just starting out it's uh, it was so uh, well-received by uh, my most criti- critical audience member, Emily, that uh, afterwards she started calling people and talking to them at work saying that they've got to hear this. And as we know, Emily, is the joke in the house is that she's the uncoachable one. She won't listen to any advice for me at all. And she said it was absolutely exactly what she needed to hear. And uh, I found her starting to do intervals herself the way that I had prescribed them. So, there's two things before we get into the talk. Uh, the first one is I I wasn't very clear about uh, making sleep a, a sacrifice and it came out backwards and uh, I edited it out the part where there was a back and forth with an audience member because you couldn't hear it very well where he was saying, "No, you know, it's the other way around." And and uh, I said, "Yeah, that's what I meant." <laughs> so, anyway, you don't sacrifice sleep what you do is you sacrifice, uh, other things for sleep. And so what that means is the pointless staying up late and watching TV, you sacrifice that. And then you uh, start going to bed earlier. And I give a really good example of how that works. And then also I talk at length about how to do intervals. And the important part is that in there, I say, don't i talk at length about not timing your intervals and what that means is you don't time how long you don't exactly time you don't set a set time for how long to do an interval you don't say i'm going to do 3 minutes or 5 minutes what you do is you do the interval at the correct effort level And then you look for the, you pay attention and listen for the signs that that interval is over. That if you do any more at that interval, that um, you actually are going completely, completely anaerobic uh, into zone five. And that's not where we want to go. So then what you do is you do a cumulative time of how much. Time you spent doing interval work. So, this one interval you timed yourself, you went about three minutes, and then another interval you were able to go eight minutes, and then another interval you did uh, four minutes. So, three plus eight plus four is 15. So, that's 15 minutes of interval work. And then, what I say in the talk is that between 15 minutes and 20 minutes of inter- interval work is really all that you need whenever you do interval work inside of a workout, and that is, is something that uh, you ought to keep an eye on, is how much time you spend going hard, so that's what I meant by don't time your intervals, how long you go during an interval, you need to listen to your body, and you need to learn the signs of when you're done, a cool gadget is a, there's a finger-mounted uh, lap counter that uh, is a not that is one step up that doesn't just do laps but it does time and you can pause it and then keep it going again if you want or make it go again if you want and that is uh it's a i think it's made by sport count and it's for swimming but Um, I've used it many, many times while doing runs and bike rides and making sure that my cumulative time doing interval work is not over 20 minutes, so. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with the talk and we'll go ahead and catch up at the end. Here we go. Consider yourselves lucky tonight because what I'm gonna talk about you can totally use against your competition to put you a step ahead. What we're going to talk about tonight is how to train in a way that uh, where you separate your hard from your easy and the whole concept of polarized training which is a really interesting topic. So a few years ago I was at the Rocky Raccoon like we were talking about earlier and I was doing the 50 but I was there when Ian Sharman ran A hundred miles on trails, a few hours of it in the dark at night at a seven and a half, about a seven and a half minute mile pace. And yeah, broke the record by an hour or so maybe. And that is, for an idea of what that is, that's a Boston qualifier pace for a male in his 30s for a marathon. And he ran basically four of them back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. So then the very next year, which was last year, I was standing at the start line of the kids' race, which is the day before the Rocky Raccoon 15 and the person that uh, sent them off that hit the... It wasn't really a gun, but it was some sort of beep or something like that, or blew a whistle or something, was Ian Sharman himself. He'd come down to be the guest a uh, celebrity at the race. And so I'm standing next to him and I got an opportunity to actually talk to him for a few minutes. And I said, how in the world did you go so fast? And he said, speed work. It has everything to do with speed work. And he said, people go out and they train long, but they never train fast. So if you train fast and you can get your fast speed down to something like, uh, when we had the, uh, William Huffman here the other day, and he said that you know if he decides to speed it up to a five and a half minute mile pace, right? And everybody's like, oh my God, right? So um, if you can get your fast down to speeds like that, well then your easy is actually pretty fast, right? Compared to what it used to be. But if you always go out and run a 10 minute mile, 11 minute mile, You don't need, your body never even feels what it's like to go faster than that. So what I'm gonna talk about tonight is how to mix that in in a way so that you can start doing that and then your easy pace for longer stuff actually gets faster. The concept is called polarized training and it's obviously because of the two poles of the hard and the easy and then keeping them separate. So what's really cool about this is I'm I'm gonna teach you how to train by feel. And what's nice about that is once you learn to train by feel, you can train anywhere, anytime, right? If we go, Emily and I go to Tyler to visit her family and it's really hilly, it doesn't matter that it's a lot hillier there than it is here. I train by feel and I know what the different intensities feel like. When you start going uphill, it's, it's a lot of work, right? If you're traveling somewhere, uh, you can work out at a gym, you can work out on the local terrain, you can work out where it's flat, where it's hilly. Also, you can use this when you actually race, right? Because we train here, but then we'll go somewhere to, to race where it's really hilly. You go out to Bandera, right, to do the one of the, what I consider probably one of the scariest, hardest runs out there is running in Bandera. <laughs> and so this uh, this technique actually can help you do that. So, and the saying I heard the other day, which was really good, is you're portable. You take yourself everywhere. So once you learn how to do this, you have this kit with you at all times that you can use. One of the first things you wanna do is look for the bottleneck. So if you're already going really long, but you'd like to go faster, then your bottleneck really isn't endurance, right? If you haven't gone very far and you wanna start going longer, then your bottleneck is probably distance, right? So more volume let's talk about intensity versus volume. If you do speed work, that'll actually give you speed. There's uh, the old Russian style of training which some people are starting to look into again, which is overspeed. speed. <laughs> it's steroids, <laughs> um, Rocky three, right? But there's, um, but there's over speed. They would actually like pull mm-hmm. people on a rope behind a truck at way faster speeds than what they could run just to get their legs used to spinning really, really, really fast. So then that believe me, you can be in really good shape, but if you never run fast, try to go run fast, you're actually real wobbly and all out of balance and and like you're not used to firing at those speeds. So actually what's limiting you is not your fitness, but your coordination, right? The other thing endurance is these long, long workouts. I'm gonna show you an example of one here in a little bit. And you can tell by doing these at which point you actually crack and you don't have the fitness to go long even though you went really easy. So uh, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna show you a, uh, a heart rate graph of one where that happens. The trick is with polarized training is you wanna keep them separate. You, get, you do intervals and go hard, but then you want to actually, while you're recovering from the hard stuff, then you want to actually slow down and go really easy and much, much easier than you'd ever think. And Paul Newby Frazier, who is a seven time, I think, Ironman Hawaii winner, the, the women's champion for seven years in the 90s, I think. Um, she said that when they would go out and train, on their easy days, they would get passed by all the age groupers, even the slowest ones. And the age groupers like, ha ha, I'm passing you. And then, then they would actually do speed work and it was insane how fast they would go. But then they would back off again and then just go really, really, really easy. So uh, even the, the fastest people in the world would really surprise you how slow they're going. And I saw a, a speed graph the other day a Garmin download of last year's champion um, and he was champion for three years. He was running a 10 and a half, 11 minute mile uh, just out jogging. He lives in Boulder. He uh, stopped and let his kids play on the playground for a little bit. <laughs> That's all in there, in the, in the graph. So to get fast you need to balance these things. These the slow and easy. So The trick is, yeah, you go hard and then you go easy uh, to recover from it. And then what you do is in the background, kind of like just like a low background noise, like here in this restaurant, there's just little, you know, noise and white noise, stuff like that, is a big diet of volume, right? Just kind of always working out, just doing stuff. There's guys that train, um, they only train nine hours, uh, 11 hours a week, and they do a nine and a half hour Ironman which is mind blowing. But they go out and do speed sessions and then the rest of the day, they work at like a standing desk and they go outside and they do like work from home and they'll go out and arrange lawn furniture or something. They're just working on their feet all day long. So you wanna keep the volume as a background. And then what you do is you treat the speed work like doses of medicine, right? Or like eating a certain type of food. You wanna actually dose yourself with hard. Okay. The, next, the next thing that you got to consider is you want to train by time and effort and not by distance or speed. And what that means is if you start training by distance or by speed, you start getting into big problems because you're tired or you're trying to keep up with somebody else's speed or you're going uphill or it's hillier or you're going into the wind, things like that. And then you're trying to keep up an average uh, run pace Right, which all these devices and iPhones, all this stuff show all the time. You're trying to keep up a, a pace that, at a, that sounds good, but it's something your body just can't do that day. And then you're slowly overdoing yourself and cooking yourself, and then you won't be able to um, recover very fast. And then distance leads to big problems. It's the wrong target. But on occasion, like when you're, you're talking about doing, a, you're doing the 50 miler, so which one are you doing? Hell's Hills. Hell's Hills, yeah. Right, so that's 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 a that's a huge event, right? You can't go out and run fifty miles in training, right? It's a lot of times you want to do training techniques where you shortcut all the way to the the park that's going to really suck. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, yeah. So people will go out and they'll go they'll do interval sets and all that stuff, and then get real tired or you know sore and fatigued, and then the next day try to go do a long run on those beat up legs, you know and to show you what it really feels like. So what you want to do is you want to verify on occasion, on rare occasion, that you can do the speed or that you can do the distance. But you don't want to make that part of your training. What you want to do is just time and effort. And I remember I I was talking to a female pro out of Austin, Andrea Fisher, and she's a top pro. And I asked her, what's your longest bike ride? And she said, I don't know. And this is a half Ironman and Ironman specialist. She goes, I don't know. So how do you not know? What's your long? And she goes, oh, I go, out, I ride like three hours. I ride four hours, and I ride at specific effort levels, and then whatever the distance is, the distance is, right? Because you never know which way the wind's blowing, or if you're going uphill, you're training with other people and stuff. Things get all crosswise, and I've done it a million times where I'll try to maintain a certain miles per hour, and it it ends up just doing you in because it wasn't right for you that day. And what if you're better than that, right? And then you're not really training yourself. So you want to learn to search for a certain type of feeling. And then with the time and effort thing, like I was talking about, you can take, you can make it portable and train anywhere. I can go to Tyler, uh, South Tyler, where it's crazy hilly and run there. And I just slow down when I'm going uphill instead of wa- looking at my watch and seeing what my pace is, things like that. And yeah, my average speed running or biking in Tyler is way slower than it is down here, but because I'm not looking at speeds, I'm actually training myself instead of training my watch is what I like to say. How can you tell the difference between easy and hard? And this is where the big technical problem comes in, right? You can tell one way with all kinds of heart rate monitors and and, uh, gadgets and hundreds of dollars, up to thousands of dollars worth of equipment, right? So a power meter on your bike, you know, nowadays is almost $2,000, right? So some I've heard people have a rule where they're not gonna buy an accessory for their bike that costs more than their bike. <laughs> so yeah, that's a good rule of thumb. So but actually you can determine a lot of this just by two things. It's your breathing rate and then how much it burns. So with breathing, when your body goes into overdrive, into hard mode, right? And there's these intervals and stuff that we're talking about. When it goes into overdrive, you can Tell your breathing change. You start huffing for air, and what's happening chemically is your body is starting to burn carbohydrate primarily instead of fat as a fuel. And carbohydrate needs a lot more oxygen to burn. It burns faster, and so it's like a blower, uh, like a turbo on a car or like a, a hand blower on a on a fire in your chimney. That's that's the one I keep thinking of. Is that blower is just turned on, and. What happens is, is you, when that kicks on, you can't get out a long sentence anymore without having to pause and huff for air, right? So you, the, uh, a good phrase, you come up with a long sentence that's um, you know, like 10 words long, like, I am a fantastic triathlete, right? And then if you go, I am a fantastic <gasps> triathlete, right? All of a sudden, you're, you're into a whole nother realm of training, it has a very short time limit on it of how long you can actually train before you blow up because your body only stores so many, uh, so much uh, glycogen, which carbohydrate turns into glycogen. So um, you burn through that and then that's why you bonk. And what's classic is in the marathon is uh, people always hit the, the wall at um, 17 miles. It's like, what's the classic wall in a marathon? It's about 17 miles. That's exactly how much carbohydrate your body stores naturally. So that's why people blow up is they, they take a little bit, but they're going too hard. And you're going so hard, you actually can't digest fast enough more carbohydrate coming in. So you have to slow down so that your body can actually metabolize some fat instead and keep that ratio down of how much carbohydrate you're going through. Okay? So, and what, what he's talking about doing is running on empty because he's really training the body to run on fat. Like, no carbohydrate at all. Yeah. And did the matter. And the first two hours, Yeah. I I And it's right bike when are running. a lot of people do. It's right like the Until it's almost like it's too to out of the bag. Yeah. Now, these other people we've had come talk, right? So John Hirsch and Christine and Cliff Latham, right? And they're talking all about how to eat better and uh, all this fiber and protein and fats and stuff because what you want to do in your daily diet is slow down the impact of the sugar so your body's not so used to getting sugar all the time, right? So then you're actually just sitting around. You're metabolizing more body fat, a higher percentage. You can go get tested. You can go to a place in Dallas. You can go to a place all over the place and get tested, they'll put you on a bike or on a treadmill and test the oxygen coming out of your mouth, and then, or not, well they test the chemicals coming out of your mouth, the uh, air, and they'll tell you what ratio of carbohydrate to um, fat you're actually burning, right? And then they'll suggest, man, you're burning way too much uh, sugar. So you need to switch your diet to a more fat burning kind of diet. Yeah, yeah. I've done it um, at least two times. I've done a place in Dallas and a place in Houston, And it's amazing to see those numbers. And they'll tell you exactly when you switch at what speed or what effort level that actually kicks over or what heart rate. You know, and if you wanna go long, you better stay below that heart rate, right? And then you go back in and get tested periodically and see if you're improving and stuff. So that's the breathing, right? You wanna go long, you wanna keep your breathing below the huffing, right? And save the huffing for the end and, also, another way that's kind of similar, they're, they're related, but it's not exactly the same thing, but they can be similar, is a lactic burn in your legs. When, you're, when you start feeling burn in your legs or your arms from swimming, your body's starting to, to uh, run out of oxygen and glycogen and it's starting to create lactic acid as fuel and also as a signal to your body that you've got limited time. This is not going to last very long, right? So in training, when you're doing intervals, a good way to get faster is to get up to where it's just starting to burn a little bit and hold the effort level right around. You wanna dance around that line, right? For quite a few minutes and then bring it back down, right? And recover and then go up to where it burns again and then back down and then up and back down, up, back down. What this is, is it's exactly like lifting weights. You go to the gym and lift weights, you go one day You do sets and reps and all this stuff until it burns, until you can't do anymore. Then you wait a few days and then go back and do it again. And you keep getting stronger and stronger, right? So this is exactly what you would do for intervals out there on the bike or on the run or in the pool. But there's a problem is that we're trying to do three sports at once. So how do you do it without it destroying you? And I was talking with Louis about that this this morning because he said... That he started doing intervals, and that he's noticed that he that he loves it because he used to lift weights all the time, and he said this is exactly like lifting weights, and I said yeah, but the thing is, is you're you're doing three different sports of lifting weights, and you you better watch out because doing intervals, when you're at when you're at threshold, like doing the hard stuff, so that it burns, you are actually doing like five, six, seven, eight, nine times as much work as if you were going easy, so. Watch what happens. You start doing this on a regular basis, it's going to be a week or two, you're going to be completely burned out. Like you have no more energy left. So the thing is, and it's because you spaced, you didn't space them far enough apart for a little bit of recovery. And the problem is, is psychologically, it feels good to go fast. Carbohydrate burn, high carbohydrate burn is what creates uh, runner's high. And it also releases a lot of serotonin. And it also, you're going fast, so it's neat. It gets to be addictive. So you start going, oh, I did it one day, and then I did it the next day, I did it the next day, and the next thing you know, it's taking you four or five days to get back in the saddle again because you're just destroyed. And you don't know what happened. And then overtraining is where people do it so much, and then they think the cure is to do even more. They're getting slower, so they need to train more and more and more. And then that's where you get people to do that for a few months at a time, and then they quit the sport. right? So uh, America's best marathoner Ryan Hall had to take off a year because he was like, I, I just kept training myself into a hole. So, all right. So scheduling, uh, the best way to schedule it that I found is, and what's recommended, is uh, no more than three, maybe four interval sessions a week total. And an interval session, the intervals all to, the time spent doing intervals. Really doesn't need to be more than 15 to 20 minutes. That's it. The whole week. The whole week. Well, per per thing. Yeah. So when you go out and do an interval workout, 15 to 20 minutes, maybe 22. And the better you are, the more you can handle, right? And maybe the closer you are are getting to a race, and you want to get sharper. But remember, this is going to get to, this is going to catch up with you. So on uh, Monday, you do a hard run, but it's intervals. And then uh, Tuesday, go swim easy. Uh, maybe do a double workout, easy, easy. And then um, Wednesday or Thursday, do a hard swim with intervals mixed in. And then easy, easy. And then uh, maybe Friday, Saturday, do a, do a bike ride that's got hard intervals mixed in, right? And if you do any more than that, you're actually being counterproductive. Right. 15 to 20 minutes of intervals the time that your heart rate's really elevated. Yeah. yeah. And so what, what's what's crazy is you can go, it's not crazy, it just makes sense. You can go online and download all these training plans and workouts and things that have, you know, five minutes. Jim and I were talking about five minutes on, you know, some minutes easy, whatever. And you know, different interval speeds. Really, just like just like a training plan, this is just made for a theoretical person at a theoretical time and place, right? So what actually works better is for you not to time it exactly or not try to, it's just like what I was saying that you're trying to hit an exact mile per hour or a minute mile pace and you're getting, um, that could burn you up. So what you do is you just elevate your heart rate, elevate to where, uh, where it's burning, just just below burning a little bit and go for as long as you can. Until really, you're like, okay, this isn't really helping me anymore. And it could be, it could be two and a half minutes. It could be six minutes. It could be eight minutes. It could be five minutes. Who knows how long it is, right? And then stop. You, maybe you have to walk afterwards. Maybe you know, pedal easy, uh, swim easy, whatever you want to do. And then, um, then go easy for a while until you're fully recovered from that interval session. And then do it again. And then don't time it and you'll actually get better results than if you specifically timed it every single time, okay? What's critical is you should log your workouts and then analyze what's hap- how you feel versus what you've done, right? So there's, there's really no excuse nowadays for people not to log their workouts by type and by time, at least, because there's all this stuff nowadays that you can do it on your phone, you can do it everywhere, and it pays off. It is one of the f- best ways, it is the way to step up a level and also to keep from getting injured, to keep from getting sick, to have fun. To, uh, you can project what you're doing into the future so you can communicate with your family what, where you're gonna be on Saturday, right? So yeah, that's a real high-end one that can like, be intimidating to some people because it's one of those things where there's so many functions and features in it where you're kind of like, where is this stuff? I've Yeah. Um, I guess you have the basic stuff, yeah. like Swim, bike, run, and it's something special like I Lapes yeah. or something extra just put the basic stuff in the comments, but has me put, you know, how did you feel? Like for me, did I have a list of the trash, you know, or you know, what what was different and then if, right. if it looks back and be like, Right, well, what, what you know, this what you did. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, So yeah, sure. the people the people I coach, I d they have to use training peaks because I can go in there and comment on what they did. They, they put in a comment of what they did, and um, I'll see crazy heart rate spikes and speed spikes, and I'm like, what happened here? You know, there's a, there's a woman I'm training that's uh, high fat, uh, kind of like a paleo diet, right? And she's trying to go longer without crashing, and I can tell by the heart rate versus the speed, boom. You know, this is what happened. What'd you use for fuel, right? And so she puts in the comments things that you know that she ate, stuff like that. What I have here for y'all to look at real quick, I'll just hold it up, is some heart rate graphs of some workouts that I've just done recently so I can show you, okay? So here's a run, everybody see this? So here's a run that I did where I did intervals, right? So, and actually I did this on a treadmill because we don't have good hills around here and I was training for the Rocky Raccoon. And yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Um, But uh, I would jack the treadmill up, you know, the incline on it. And then and then the speed kind of back and forth, like up, 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 up until until it started to burn right in my legs. And then I would try to hold it there for a while until I couldn't do it anymore. And then boom, back down, kind of recover for a while and then boom, back up again and then back down. And just like lifting weights, it's like four times, right? And then it takes like three days to recover from that. And then the three days in between, you're just, you know, just kind of go easy. Because the improvements already, the work has been done to improve you. Now you just need to, to work on the background kind of stuff. And here is a two hour bike ride. And I mixed in, I think on 30 minute intervals five minutes of hard every 30 minutes. And then the, the rest of that background noise is just pedal, is just pedaling like really, really easy. You know, and when you're going easy, that's a really good time to work on just technique. Just, you know, are you pedaling smooth? Are you pedaling in circles? If you're running, are you uh, running on your forefoot? Are you, are you holding your hands? Things like that. And then you got time and then uh, you recover a little bit and then boom, hit it hard for a little bit. So uh, same thing in the pool. Pool's an awesome time when you're going easy to work on technique. And then when you go hard, just slam it. So I I, I wear a heart rate strap and my watch does that. And then I connect it to my computer and it uploads it. And I'm gonna show you something what you can do with that here in a second. This one right here, this is, remember when John Hurst was here, the pro triathlete, he asked me to go on a five hour bike ride with him. So this is an 86 mile bike ride with John. And even though he's a pro triathlete, it's, um, it's it, just getting into the season, it's just really easy. So our heart rate is down here floating around 120 beats per minute, right? We're not working. We're actually just going really easy and working on technique. Now, remember I said there's bottlenecks of both speed and, um, and endurance. So you'll see here at the very tail end of this, all of a sudden the heart rate starts creeping up. I don't know, I mean, the graph's so long (laughs) because of who I was riding with. You'll start to see it was, these are water stops here, here, and then it starts climbing up a little bit, right? If you're going at the same effort level and your heart rate starts climbing gradually, that's called separating. Um, I think there's actually another technical term for it. Um, But what happens is that's that's the end of your endurance right there and that just shows where you crack. And anything after that, you're gonna be going at a higher heart rate and a higher effort to go just anywhere, right? And that's that point where you're on a long run, like when you're doing an endurance run, and you're just running at all, like just running. Instead of walking, your heart rate shoots up and you're breathing hard and all that stuff, right? So that's how you can tell right there that that started happening. So at four and a half hours is pretty good, you know? Then you were asking about Um, how this all works. So you get a Garmin or a Suunto or a Polar Watch, right? And it collects all the stuff and it uploads it to the internet. And then with uh, Suunto stuff, because I use theirs, I can click on the entire week and it'll summarize everything I've done for the week. I can click on the month at the top of the calendar or the year at the top of the calendar and it summarizes all this stuff, right? So then when I felt on... This last weekend on Saturday evening, I felt like I couldn't do anything, I was just tired. Well, I went and looked, I did seven days of training in like four and a half days, and that made sense. I was just completely blown out, and I just shouldn't have done that, you know? Training peaks, or is that? This is uh, Moves Count, which is Suunto's uh, software. It's free, but it's not gonna work unless you have a Sunto watch to upload it. So Polar has one, Garmin has one. Yeah. Garmin yeah, um, if I go back to one of the other ones, it's not just. It also does you know like bar charts and then maps of where you went. So, but I didn't really want to get into this stuff tonight because it starts getting all technical, you know, it's like the speed and all that stuff, and that's, and we need to wrap it up, obviously. So, but. The whole thing is training by feel, is what I wanted to tell you all about. It's the, it's, the, it's the breathing and the lactic burn and the spacing it out and for recovery and then finding the bottlenecks of what's holding you back. Is it the distance? Is it the speed? Is it, like Ian Sharman said, where you just need to do speed work and make your fast fast so that your easy is actually easy. So that's what I had for you all tonight. So is speed work just like running 100? Yeah, well, it depends on your current ability, and that's why I was saying the well, thing about just getting somebody else's speed work idea. At my my version of speed work in the pool, like the distance is because I, I come from a swimming background, is not fit for most other people that are in triathlon because most other people come from running or, or biking, right? And somebody that's really awesome at biking, their their version of speed work is not mine. You know, it would kill me. So the idea of where. You get up to where it burns, and you're breathing hard. And just below burn is actually the best. just. You want to get to where it burns, and then back off, and just kind of dance around that line just a little bit. That is what increases your ability over time. So minutes, what are you, like you want okay. So you're doing it, and then then after a while, after like three minutes, five minutes, um, you feel like you can't even run anymore without it burning, without it starting to burn. You can't make it, and you just got to stop and then that's when you stop. So, um, and that's why I am saying it could be three minutes, it could be three and a half minutes, it could be eight minutes, but you don't really wanna do stuff like over eight minutes. If it starts getting up to eight minutes, then you're probably not going hard enough. So. But let's say on a track workout, if you're doing 800s, run hard for an 800, how long should you let the recovery be before you run another one? It's usually like double the time But that's just a guideline, and then you'll start to feel what the feeling is, and then you start searching for that feeling instead, right? Because if you do mid, the problem is is if you do in between those two efforts, if you do the easy is like one and two, and then the hard is a four or five, right? If you do three, three you can do for a very, very long time. You can do it for hours on end, but the recovery time for that is days, days and days and days from doing that. And nice to meet you. And then what happens is your, your recovery time is so long, you can't start training again. So if you just dose yourself with the super fast, then your recovery is only like two, three days at most. And in the background, you can be working on your technique and your volume and your endurance. So, but it, the, the, the hard part is, is, it takes a lot of discipline to do it right because everybody wants to go three. If you're plateaued out and you're not getting any faster, it's probably because you're doing too much of a, of a three level, zone. they call it zone three. You could, go out, you could go out right now and do five hours of zone three. It'll take you uh, four or five days to recover from that, right? But if you do some zone four, um, you'll recover and you do just a little bit, you'll get just as fast because it was harder, right? But you, and you recover a little bit faster, and then you get maximum what they call workout density. Now you'll be able to get back to working out over and over again. And what it does is it allows for, for quicker recovery, and then you can get right back to training again without having tons of downtime and overeating. <laughs> like you do lots of zone three, you're burning all those carbohydrates that are in your system, all that glycogen. What are you gonna replace them with? Ice cream and cookies and eating poorly and, and, and cheese pizza and all this stuff because you're starving. From doing all that work. So you just completely lose control when you're in three. I think a couple of things you told us last year that really made it make sense and at least made an easy way to think about it is if you go out and you do a long run or do something that just felt really good, like you got a good workout, you were mm-hmm. probably in zone three. It should be guilt producingly slow and easy. Yeah. And if it's supposed to be hard, you know when it's hard. Yeah. I know I yeah, a lot of time being good about it. That's right. I told y'all, I heard a good way to call it was uh, guilty speed. You feel like you should be going faster. That's, that's zone one, zone two. That's the right speed for just volume. You really feel like you should be going faster than this. If you're feeling that, then that's the right speed. And then, but then you mix in like a hard workout, you're actually glad to be going that, that slow speed in the next few days as you recover from it. So. So could my RPM class be my interval Yes, definitely. Right. And the way you tell is by your breathing. You don't even have to wear a heart rate monitor, right? Now, which, if you were wearing one of these devices, you could look at it, and did you see there was bar charts? It told me how much, you, you tell it what your different ranges are for hard and easy and stuff, like heart rate zones, and it'll tell you that you spent, like I know that when I did the Rocky Raccoon 50, I spent eight and a half hours in zone three. That's a lot, and that's why it took me, a, you know, like a week to recover from that thing, is because that's race pace. Zone three is actually tempo race pace for long distance racing, and that's why it'll cook you. So, but it takes a long time to cook you, but it'll do it. Um, anybody ride the, uh, the Carlos route? Or you ride through Carlos and you go up the hill that's just south of Carlos on the bikes? You've done that, Ted, I know you've done that a bunch. Just big hill, you know? I would go out there, I would ride this big loop of like 50, 80 miles, whatever I would do. But when I got to that hill, I would do that hill like three times. Four times. And I would do it, I would do that once a week and then I would do um, like a fast run and a fast bike maybe. Sometime else in the week too. And I just started getting faster and faster and faster and starting to be able to keep up with the fast guys. And it was because of that. And everything else I just kind of, You're a funny saying is, uh, this one productivity expert said that professional triathletes, endurance athletes, are some of the laziest people he's ever met. <laughs> because they need to be lazy. They need to be lazy, like, all the time. Like, no effort. Everything's zero effort. But, boy, when they go fast, the neuromuscular turnover rate is just insane. Because they've been practicing at a five-minute mile and stuff. for, um, uh, But just a few times a week. Because more than that, it'll just cook you. Yeah. Wait. Around here for running, you're not you're not going to find a hill that's really long enough. I've tried to find the longest hill to run on. I can't find anything over three and a half minutes, four minutes long. So treadmill. Once you start getting good at doing hills, you need a treadmill because there's nothing steep. There's like the steepest thing is like three percent grade for four minutes, and you're talking about once you start getting good at it, then it's you need eight, ten percent grade at like at a you know for like six minutes, eight minutes. So, all right, so. Cool? Oh, sleep. Okay, so you're going to find that if you are suffering, like at work, you're having trouble, you can't get up in the morning. That's the biggest one. You can't get up in the morning to go work out, right? I guarantee it's because you stayed up too late the night before. And once you start training a lot, the benefits are huge, but the one sacrifice you got to make is sleep. Um, Right, right, right. So, um... I do best if I go to bed. I, it drives Emily crazy. Kai knows all about it. My phone has an alarm on it it goes on off at nine o'clock, and that's to uh, telling me to start go to bed, right? And Emily was making fun of me it as this just annoying because it bang, bang 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 bang, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> what was so funny when John Hirsch and Christine came to stay with us? They actually stayed at our house for eleven days. For John went to bed at eight thirty. And, but like this earlier this week, I, I couldn't get up earlier to go work out. And I realized because I was staying up until 10:30, 11 o'clock at night watching TV or being on the internet and stuff like that. You start going to bed early, all of a sudden your mornings open up. And in Texas in the summer, that is the time to train for sure. So it's really hard to do, but just start doing it and you'll see how much earlier you can get up. And then with a lot of sleep, you can do just a huge, huge amounts of training and it doesn't bother you. Right. So if I had everything to do all over again, because I've been doing this for so long, what, uh, six, seven years ago, I decided to start going long. All I did was just start going long. Right? Well, I got really good at running and biking at slow speeds for a long, long time. If I could start all over again, I would have been mixing in intervals back then, learning how to do it, because the tendency is, is at first you overdo it, because it feels so good to go fast, and you start getting faster. But but then you start digging a hole and then you start needing more sleep and you underestimate how much recovery you actually need from going fast. That thing where I was saying like six, seven, eight, nine times as much energy burned when you're going fast, that's, that's a lot. And, and you don't know it because you're burning it so fast time-wise that you don't realize how that's gonna affect you in just a few days. And um, your metabolism starts cranking up once you start doing interval work. And so you're not used to eating enough food to fuel that kind of, that motor. You yeah, know that, that's so, going. On. Like three to four times a week. That's not. That's not
1: just running and just like. I mean, you can do a bike
0: a run and a swim. Right. That's everything put together. You won't be able to do more than three or four interval sessions a week. I've tried it. <laughs> I've tried the shortcuts, to cut the system. You can't. It'll get you. So and I keep going. Oh, you know, I'll do. Maybe swimming doesn't really count. So I'll do intervals in the pool. No. Next thing you know, you're tired. You don't feel like working out again, right? I'm training. Right, and there are people that benefit. There's different types. There's people that benefit from more volume, and people that benefit from less volume. There's, two, and I guess there's people in the middle. There's distinctly two different types, right? This allows you to kind of mix and match to what works for you guys. You got to find the guy that just won Ironman, uh, Pete Jacobs, that won Ironman this year. Um, he reduced his volume a bunch so that he could rest more and actually go faster. On his speed during his speedwork days, and he won the entire the world championship, right? But he had to quit a training camp where he was with the best people, and they were doing so much volume that he was so worn out he couldn't. He, the guys typically can do like 25 miles per hour on a bike, and the uh, the girls are doing like 20. I don't, I'm just guessing 20, 21, 22. He couldn't keep up with the women at at their slow speed. He was just exhausted, and he's like, there's something going on here, it's just too much volume, something's happening. And um, so he quit training with them and went back to low, lower volume and more intensity. And yeah, there's people who train 11, 12 hours a week and just do interval stuff, and they do uh, sub-10 hour Ironman So, But then there's <laughs> other people that are just like, I have to do volume. Yeah. depends on your fitness level too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would think that if you have a history of being really strong, like if you were a weightlifter or something like that, you've already got the strength, and all you need to do is just keep working on that strength. And then if you don't, you need volume to eventually get to the point where you have all that strength. But that's that's different stuff. All right, so let's wrap it up. That was the talk. I hope you enjoyed it. It is my definitive guide, like I said, on how to train. It's a mix of the best advice and training techniques from established training companies like polar suunto garmin uh the big the big ones and uh, purple patch fitness and wow just uh the the fastest professional triathletes pete jacobs chris mccormick uh, chrissy wellington and everything that i've put together from all them and then uh, rolled into one nice big fat package And you, like I said, you can use it at all levels and, uh, you dose yourself with the hard and then go slow and easy to recover and work on your, uh, work on your, your volume in the background. So that's it. We'll catch up with more. And if you have questions, find me on Twitter and also on the blog. Both of them are Zen And the blog is Zentriathlon.com, and I'm Zentriathlon on Twitter. So hit me up with your questions, and I'll check you all out. All right, out. (laughs)